Can't relate. Straight talk going. Stay not safe. Before you cross me, look both ways. Leaving the scene with no trace. None in my lead. You out of place. I'm not at the top. I'm outer space. Can't eat with us. We're out of place. I'm doing fine. I'm feeling great. You're not my fan. You can't relate. Straight talk going. State to state. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, your host is back. It's 2022, and it was an electric end to 2021, and I'm excited to see what 2022 holds. And there's nobody better to have on the show right after Kobe Durst than the man he faced when wrestling got back up and started back in July. Please help me welcome the reigning, defending, HWE television champion, Mr. Vitamin D, Johnny DeLuca, to Straight Talk Wrestling. How are you, my dude? First of all, just what a, what an intro. Absolutely phenomenal. I'm doing well, man. Um, just trying to keep myself busy. Obviously, you know, school's out. So I'm <laughs> just um, uh, try, trying to stay sane that way and, and think of things for me to do. And thanks for giving me something to do. <laughs> Absolutely, man. It's an honor. Listen, anybody that comes on the show gives us the time. It's an honor for us. And to have conversations with young up-and-comers to see that the next generation of Ontario indie wrestling is in such phenomenal hands. Uh, what can you say? That's why I'm excited to sit down and talk with you. So the first time I actually got to see you live in Living Color, not on YouTube, not through clips on social media, was at HWE's uh, Country Carnage Breaking Out of Lockdown show back in July. It was a show where it was not, no tickets were sold. We had an intimate venue with about 50 fans that were screened beforehand, much like all of us where we were all screened beforehand. It was all protocoled, all on the up and up, but we we broke out of lockdown and it was exciting to see. And the first match I was had the honor of calling for my first commentary gig ever was you versus the Diamond Tiger, Kobe Durst. You have had a phenomenal stretch of the last five months and we're gonna get into all of that and more. We're going to talk about title defenses against Kobe Durst. You already touched on it a little bit with the mini host, but we're going to talk about that casket match with Holden Albright. We're going to talk about the last title defense you had against Von Vertigo. And we're going to talk about that Destiny debut and what we see for the future. Now, I don't know if you've noticed, Johnny, but I'm wearing a shirt of someone who I believe should be your next opponent, not for the TV title. I appreciate you as the TV champ. I do. But I think we can't stop there. I think you got to go with the new reigning, defending HWE champion. That's Mr. Tyler Turva, Mr. Saturday Night Delight. Now, Woo. if the opportunity were to present itself where you had to go at Tyler, I mean, I know you, you're young, you're hungry. So this is a challenge you would not say no to. But how do you prepare for a guy like Tyler Turva? You just can't, you can't prepare for him. You can watch all the film you want but you know he's going to throw shit that you ain't never seen on film before. Well, obviously, the opportunity to rack them all up would be absolutely ideal. Um, but yeah, no, Tyler Turva, uh, like you said, very unpredictable, very great performer as well. Um, I remember, you know, um, going to multiple shows, just just watching and observing and and just... He, he's a he's a true pro, man, and um, that would be a hell of a challenge. But nothing I'm not up for. And um, how do I prepare for something like that? I just don't. I go in there and I be myself and I do what I've been taught. 
Yeah. And you know what? You had a, you had a great teacher, right? Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I may be wrong, but correct me if I'm wrong. Because again, the thing that sucks about indie wrestlers is if you don't know them on a personal level like you and I do, research is few and far between. There's a little yeah. bits and pieces out there, but the internet's full of a lot of bullshit. So you have to weed through the bullshit to get to the meat and potatoes. Now you were trained, if I'm right, again, if I'm wrong, I apologize. You were trained by Rip Impact, correct? Correct. Perfect. So Rip Impact, I mean, this is a living legend in wrestling, not just Canadian wrestling, but wrestling. And anybody who doesn't know who Rip Impact is, please do your fucking research. He is the head honcho of HPW, which is Hamilton Pro Wrestling. But he's also uh, the epitome, if you will, the embodiment of everything that is pro wrestling. And unfortunately, he lost his title after some questionable defenses. I'm not going to lie. I love Rip Impact, but Rip, Rip Impact is a heel. He does exactly what he's supposed to do. He makes me hate him and yet love him at the same fucking time. And it's very frustrating when you hate and love someone. Like to love hate someone is emotionally draining. It, it is. It's like being in a relationship with a girl you don't want to be in a relationship with, but she keeps you coming back because you just enjoy that, let's say, makeup sex, if you will. So you enjoy that, you enjoy that part of it, but everything else is just so tiresome. And that's what it like it is with Rip Impact. I enjoy watching him work, but I hate the way he presents himself when he is a heel, but he does such a fantastic job. When you look at your teacher, you look at the man who started things for you and you see how well he keeps evolving. I mean, that's gotta be a goal. That's a goal for every wrestler in this business, but especially for you. I mean, you've only been in this business a few years, but you've already racked up quite an impressive resume, some great gold and some great matches. So the goal for you, I mean, every time, I know it's to leave everything out there because you're Johnny D, vitamin D, you have to leave it all out there. But when you see your teacher elevating at the, the this stage in his career, that's gotta be inspiring as well. Incredibly inspiring. It's, it's very motivating. Um, the thing I, I always uh, say about Rip is that although he um, is able to evolve and play any role that's uh, given to him, he's always Rip Impact. He's, he's one of the most consistent guys that you'll see on any roster or show. It, it's pretty impressive. And I'm really proud to call him my coach because that's, that to me is um, something that is um, very beneficial for students to to watch and observe um consistency is a, is a huge huge aspect of pro wrestling and rip does it incredibly well absolutely i i cannot disagree with you well let's get into you and your journey this last five six months of uh you know 2021 uh right off the bat like i said i was honored to call you as like the second match i ever called in my life uh you versus kobe durst and the one thing about kobe durst is Kobe is very just go in, do your job, and leave. He doesn't really schmooze with fans. He doesn't really stick around. That's just who Kobe is. And it's not a negative thing. That's just who Kobe is. He goes in, does his job, and he goes home. That's what Kobe represents. You, on the other hand, you are very involved with the crowd. You've got your own cheering section at almost every freaking show. The uh, I guess we'll call them the vitamin Ds, if you will. They're the guys that give you that extra adrenaline shot, like any crowd should. But... When you're going up against a guy like Kobe Durst, a guy that hits as hard as Kobe Durst and is as athletic as they come, like you talked about Holden Albright's striking ability. I want to say Kobe Durst matches, if not exceeds, and that's not a, a diss at Holden Albright at all. That's just saying, like anybody, everybody hits different. When Kobe hits, 
Kobe leaves a mark on your chest, but it goes deeper into the soul. Like he's, he just cut a piece of that muscle. You know what I mean? You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. A hundred percent agree. Um, and I, I, w- I would agree with that claim too. Uh, just, just a side note, you, you mentioned um, the, the cheering section. Um, I think it was uh, James Weber, Chop, ringside with chops who um, gave them the nicknames, the Delunatics. I love it. That's what it is the from now on. The lunatics. <laughs> um, back, back to Kobe. Absolutely. Um, I, I felt that me and Kobe just kind of clicked immediately in that match. Uh, the chemistry was uh, there and it was, it was very, very flowy, but yes, he, he does hit hard. And that again, like Holden Albright, when, when somebody hits me hard, it inspires me to hit them hard. And overall it, it enhances the match. It absolutely does. And for a guy, like I said, you're a, you're a bigger gentleman like myself, but there ain't nothing wrong with that. Big guys need love. I mean, luckily enough, I found a beautiful wife who appreciates a little extra padding in the winter. And, um, you know, we're, we're blessed with two kids. So, uh, life is good that way. But, um, you know, bigger guys nowadays are not second string. They're not just known for the power game. They're not just known for the hard hitting or the striking big guys are athletic. They're fast. And the way you move around that ring, like, man, that springboard off the ropes into your, into your finisher. Every time I see you hit it, it's like ridiculous. It's like poetry in motion. And it's, it's picture perfect. I mean, being a bigger guy, but getting that athletic and that agility, is that something that when you stepped in, when you started training, is that something that you worked on more so than the power and the striking? Because like I said, when you're a big guy, power and striking comes easy. All the other stuff you really have to work on. So did you gravitate towards that first or did you start with the power and striking and then branch out? So as for the agility and kind of the athleticism, um, I've done a lot of stuff before pro wrestling. I, I, I played football. I, um, I did jujitsu for seven years and, and jujitsu really helped with my overall mobility because I've always, I always have been a, a bit of a bigger guy, but it taught me how to not only use my, my size and strength, but to use to not beat around the bush and, 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 and uh, forces me to use technique. So, and obviously to use technique, it, it takes agility and it takes uh, being faster than, than usual. So I think when I first started uh, pro wrestling training, I had the, the agility side kind of already, um, already being utilized. Whereas the, the real challenge for me was learning how uh, a pro wrestling match works and learning how to make stuff look good and to have stuff make sense. Just the, the, the psychology of it is what, is what, um, is what took me a little while to learn for sure. Psychology and wrestling is, is such an interesting concept. And speaking of psychology, I mean, this is a great segue. See, this is what I love. I love these conversations that flow because you segue in and you move where, where we needed to go. Uh, psychology in a stipulation match is the hardest psychology, I think, to hit. Because, I mean, a stipulation match has that little extra added layer where, okay, we've got a casket or we've got a steel cage or we've got a ladder. So there's, there's an object in our way, not only our opponent, but there's an object that we have to utilize in order to meet the end game. 
to get to the end, that object must be utilized. You have to climb the ladder. You have to climb over the cage or exit the cage. You have to close the casket door. You have to uh, grab that stick on a pole, if you will. Like any stipulation match, the end, whatever the stipulation is, has to be utilized. If it's not, then it's just a wrestling match with an object. But to call it a stipulation match, that particular object must be utilized. So you're young, you can heal, you can work through emotional trauma, and there's <laughs> nothing more emotionally and physically draining then staring at arguably one of the scariest but sweetest men in Ontario Indy, in Holden Albright, watching him come out with that wolf mask on, watching him sit in the corner and look at you like you are a piece of meat. You're not a human. He's hungry and you're what he needs to eat. And then you look at the corner of the ring and there's a fucking casket. Something that's going to close that you're not supposed to be inside while you're alive. I want to stress that a casket is for when you go to the great beyond, not while you're still breathing on earth. <laughs> so you look at these things and you sit there and you go, myself, I don't know if you heard the commentary on that match yet, but I said, I don't know what Johnny DeLuca was thinking when he agreed to a match that plays right in Holden Albright's hands. I have to ask you, were you sick with COVID? Because you were not thinking straight when you agreed <laughs> to a casket match. So talk to me about not only facing Holden Albright, but facing Holden Albright, again, in a, in a match where you're supposed to not see the inside of that thing because you're already gone. <laughs> um, well... When accepting the match, I just thought back to, because me and Holden Albright, we had, we had another match um, before the pandemic. And that was, that was our kind of first match, I guess, of, 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 the, of the big story. And um, he had suplexed me from the apron onto the cement floor in, in Carmen's Banquet Hall. So I thought, and I, and I, exited the match in an ambulance. <laughs> so I thought to myself, what better redemption can I get on Holden Albright for allowing a 17 year old kid to, to exit a match through an ambulance by a stretcher. Mm -hmm. So with that going through my mind and obviously given our history, I put it all on the line, as, as you can probably, as you can probably tell. And I knew just looking across from him, I knew this was going to be a war. And it was. And it was. Like I said, Holden Albright never doesn't hit hard. <laughs> so I, I, I expected I expected an absolute war. And that's and that's what happened. An absolute war. And I was just prepared for anything. Prepared to die out there. <laughs> I mean, uh, when I see a, ca I, I love casket matches, but they make my mm -hmm. fucking skin crawl because again, that, that, <laughs> that object out there is uneasy. And again, uh, who in their right mind owns a casket and just keeps it in the garage and says, yeah, okay, let's, let's, yeah, we're going to do a casket match. Only a fucking guy like Holden Albright would go to a Costco and get milk, eggs, butter. Oh, and look at that. It's on sale for $6.99. I'm going to go, I'm going to get a casket. Only Holden That's Albright pretty... would buy a casket. 
And yeah. I, that shows you the mindset. But like 100%. you said, you, yeah, absolutely. You prepared for a war. But again, the same thing when it comes to Holden Albright, the script changes. You have mm-hmm. to expect the unexpected. And again, you can watch all the tape you want. You could study everything. You could remember leaving that match in a stretcher in an ambulance the first time you tangled. Emotions run high. And do you think that in a, in a match like that, you must keep your emotions in check? Because if you don't, if you let your frustrations boil over, you're going to lose. Oh, um, 100%. And that's, that's a huge thing with any match too. Um, uh, trying not to let your emotions uh, get the better of you, but also using those emotions to um, take you to new levels, right? I, I, I view pro wrestling as a very uh, emotional thing and it, it uh, connects with people on so many emotional levels that if I don't show and showcase that emotion, people are not able to uh, effectively respond or resonate to how I'm feeling or uh, what's going through my head or uh, they can't anticipate anything, right? So I think, yes, keeping your inner emotions in check so that you're calm and that, and that you, you keep and you hold everything together is important, but also letting the crowd feed off of your energy and in turn feeding off the crowd's energy through emotion. Yeah, absolutely. The crowd adds another layer. The crowd really is the, I guess you want to say the, the, the sixth man, if you will, there you're, you're the starting five. You've got your emotions all running for you, all fighting with you. And then you got the crowd that can turn the tables on a match. You can take a wrestler out of the match. It can make a wrestler come back into the match. And I mean, when it comes to the, the lunatics, I've never seen those guys not scream their heads off. And that's a testament to you. But now I pose this question. If ever came a time where you had to switch layers, you had to evolve. Evolution is is necessary in wrestling. And you know where I'm going with this. Yeah. If you have to tell the lunatics to go fuck themselves one day and you're bitter and you're angry and you're like, fuck this. I'm in it for me. I'm going to do what my teacher did. I am just going to be in it for me. And you have to switch gears. Do you think that the lunatics would switch with you and follow? Or do you think they would disappear? And would that affect Johnny DeLuca in a match if he had to evolve from face to heel? In my honest opinion, if I were to turn heel, my Delunatics are incredibly loyal. They would cheer me anyway. However, the rest of the crowd would be annoyed because that one cheering section is going crazy for me. And I'd be playing to them and the rest of the crowd would be, and they would t- the Delunatics would turn heel with me, essentially. They're a part of me. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're an army, if you could say. That's a scary thought, Ontario Indy fans. Just remember, if Johnny D decides to evolve one day, uh, there's going to be that. I mean, heel fans already are pains in the asses, but to have a whole fucking section, that's going to be a lot. I, I guess what you're telling me is if that day ever happens, I should just carry Tylenol in my pocket. Then I have a fucking headache. 
bizarro world. Absolute bizarro, bizarro world. world. I love it. I love, it. I, love it. <laughs> I love that term. I love when, watching wrestling where it's like, oh, the, the um the fans aren't typical they're not cheering they're not cheering the faces or booing the heels they're doing the opposite they're only cheering who they like and that and to me that's what makes wrestling so unique because it's so it's such an interactive experience that predictability unpredictability you don't know what they're feeling you don't know who you're uh wrestling in front of uh, i've wrestled in front of so many different crowds and and even as a face i've gotten booed to the ring you know what i mean you just have to go with it you just have to find a way to 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 um evolve with it during during your match and and that's the beauty of pro wrestling to me you never know how they're going to react and they can how they can react however they damn well please absolutely and um the crowd the crowd like i said could take a wrestler out it could pull a wrestler in the, the crowd sometimes can change the storyline or the outcome that's being told. And a lot of people don't get it. If you're a wrestling fan, you get it. You know that two guys, four guys, two girls in a ring, telling a story without words is extremely difficult to, to build that emotion to where it needs to peak and then <laughs> falafel away to, to get to those high points, those low points, to, to make somebody stand up out of their seat and go, come on, I need one more time. Like to get, to draw out emotion from a human being is very time consuming and it's very psychological, like you said. Um, have you wrestled when the pandemic was going on? Did you wrestle in front of no crowds? Because I know there was a lot of filming being done at a lot of different promotions. So you've probably been on the fence with crowds, which we saw the last couple of months here, and then without crowds. Johnny DeLuca, I pose this question. Is wrestling in front of crowds the same as wrestling in front of no crowd? Absolutely, 100% not. Mm. Two different things. Um, because I believe a crowd dictates the pace of a match. I think, and like you said, you mentioned before that the crowd is the sixth man. And 100%, I, I, I totally agree. Um, if you listen to a crowd, and, th and that's, that's the thing, that's a struggle with a, a lot of maybe newer wrestlers or, or and, and I've struggled with it too. Um, just learning about it has been fascinating, but the crowd dictates the show. The crowd makes the show, in my opinion. You can put, you can put out whatever you want in that ring. It doesn't matter if, it, if you're the best technical wrestler or, or whatever if you're not listening to the crowd, because if you listen to the crowd, they'll tell you exactly what they want, right? So if you're not listening to the crowd and including them in this, and what's supposed to be an intimate and interactive experience, because this is indie wrestling, right? Mm -hmm. And that's one of the beauties of indie wrestling is the fact that it's, it's, it's intimate. It's, there's, there's crowd interaction. I, I believe some fans come for, from, for the wrestling, but and internally, uh, maybe what something that's not on the surface is the fact that they they come for that interaction. They come to to basically be a part of the show. Um, and when I am wrestling, and when I when I am in that ring, I I make sure to include them in 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 how they're feeling and and take in uh, what the, what they're watching from you know from the uh, from the audience's head, right? And and that's how. That's how that to me, that's what professional wrestling really is. Right. And, and you got to You just got to recognize those moments where it's like, 
you know, let's say something big happens in your match, you have to let it sizzle, right? You have to let the audience take in what they've just seen, maybe converse with the, with the person beside them go, did you see that? Holy shit. You know what I mean? I think it creates not only a bond between the wrestler and the fan, but also the fans and the fans too. And they form this, this, this army that, um, will either cheer or boo a wrestler or chant this or chant that. And I, just, I, I become very, um, uh, what's, what's the, the word I'm looking for? I, it, I become very uh, open-minded um, lately in the sense of, of how um, uh, taking in uh, my environment around me and learning how to utilize it. I like that. I like that, open-minded and taking in the environment. That's uh, that's something fresh and new. Let's expand on that for a second. A lot of wrestlers would say they just go out there, they do their job. They don't really have enough time to soak it in because sometimes you only got 10, 12, maybe 15 minutes max to tell your story. So if you have this congested timeline that you've got to get from A to B, and um, guys like AC, Coca, and Dave are phenomenal people. Uh, I've grown very close to those two gentlemen. They They put me on. They gave me an opportunity when I never had an opportunity. They gave me one. And it's been the most exciting journey of my life. Like I was like a kid, the last event, I was like a kid in a fucking candy store, man. I could not wait. I didn't sleep that whole day in anticipation of just calling matches, not even being in there, but calling them. And um, to, to soak in the environment, that's something I myself haven't done yet. Cause I'm sitting around. I'm like, I'm like, I'm sitting there looking. I'm like, all right, let's go. I want to get to showtime. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. But then you're out there. Like, I mean, us commentators, we're out there for the whole pop. We're out there for a beginning to end. But when you're a wrestler, you're only out there for your, like I said, 10 to 12 to maybe 15 minutes max, 20 if it's the main event. And, um, you know, you will main event for sure, eventually down the line one day. But how do you, in that congested timeline, how do you find the time to soak in the environment? Even if it's five or 10 seconds, that's five or 10 seconds where you could land a move or two. So how do you stop and soak it in? Where do you find the time to? Um, that's a very, very good question. And, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll give you an example, right? Um, sometimes when you're in a match and you're, and you're, and you're, you soak it in and you take maybe those first, even you said five seconds, a minute, a minute and a half, two minutes to just, whether they're chanting my chant or not, whether they're cheering or booing, to acknowledge the crowd, it sets the table, right? And so, and 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 where you, and when you said, where do you find the time? I don't find the time. I, I I make the time. We you have to make the time during your match to to appeal to the audience. You you have to be able to do that at any point during the match, and you have to be on the ball. And that's why. Uh, maybe sometimes it's not the greatest idea to have so many things set and planned. Whereas, as opposed to having your key moments and, and, and having your, your, your key um, uh, parts of the match uh, already in the back of your head, but also leaving room to interact with the fans, because then again, that you have no idea how, how long that's going to take or how much they're going to respond. You never know. You have to feel it out. And that's, and that's the biggest thing with pro wrestling is feeling out your crowd is, is incredibly important. 
that's how you get to know them on an emotional level. And that's how they get to be able to respond to you on an emotional level. And emotion, I believe, in my opinion, is the thing that really um, creates wrestling fans as opposed to moves. Absolutely. And how old are you again, Johnny? 19. Fuck, I feel like I'm talking to a 38-year-old like myself. Like, Jesus Christ, you're (laughs) phenomenally wise beyond your years. Now, I got to ask this. You mentioned, and with the mini host, the origin story of vitamin D. You mentioned uh, finding out that Ronchi Ronnie Randelson was your father. Storyline-based, not real life. I mean, uh, you know, but if Dave was your dad, that'd be pretty fucking awesome. Because Dave's- It could, it could be real life. You have no, we have no idea. He, he no is idea. like a father. He's a father figure for sure. But your actual okay. dad, your actual mom, when you went up to them, uh, I want to say you've been in this business now for what, three, four years? Probably, yeah, three and a half, four years. Yeah. So we're talking 15 going on 16. Let's go argument sake. 15 going on 16. You go to your mom and dad one day and you say, all right, guys, sit down. Let's have some dinner. Let's, let's, let's talk some pasta. Let's have some sugo. Maybe dad's got uh, a glass you know, of wine. You know, maybe everything mom, that's on that table. Absolutely. Maybe mom's got a glass of wine. We got nice prosciutto and oh. some... some Fuck, well, I got to come over to the Luca house for dinner then. I got to come. Oh. That's my jam, bro. You got to come to house, man. Absolutely done. All right. I've been invited. Mama D, I've been invited. So make sure you get the pie. Also, I'm a big already fan. cooking. She's I'm already big, cooking. It's I'm a big fan of veal parmesan too. So if uh, Mama D can make some veal parmesan, I'd love it. Everything's on the table, my man. Everything's, Everything's on, on the table. table. Perfect. So you're sitting down with mom and dad and you, you look over at mom, you look over at dad and you're, you know, you're, you're getting ready for the big announcement. You're getting ready to go. All right, guys, I know what I want to do with my life. And at 15, to, to figure that out already, that's huge. And you look at mom, you look at dad, and you say, guys, I want to be, I want to be a pro wrestler. <laughs> what, what was the reaction when you told mom and dad that this was something you wanted to chase? Oh, they, they, they a million percent knew it was coming. It, it wasn't <laughs> like it was out of left field at all. I, I've been a wrestling fan since I was eight years old. So that's 10 years, 11 years. And, um, it's, it's something that they fully expected and fully supported me, uh, luckily, um, in, in, my, in, my, uh, in my experience. Because, well, at the time, right, I, uh, um, what was I doing? I, I, was, I was still in jiu-jitsu. And that's why my dad put me in jiu-jitsu in the first place, because I, I um, really enjoyed the physical aspect of, of sports, right? So it, it, it's more so... It was more so uh, a thing to try, but also it, 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 it was something that helped me build confidence. And I firmly believe that without Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, I wouldn't have had the confidence to start pro wrestling. So there's, a, there's certain things in life that you, um, that you not, not necessarily go through, but experience in order to get to, to new things in your life, obviously. And uh, I, I saw pro wrestling as a next step. And, um, and we, have, we had already kind of knew like the, the scope of it all because um, I trained with, uh, I trained jujitsu with obviously Ronchi, um, but as well as uh, um, Dylan Daniels. I don't know, I don't know if you remember Dylan Daniels, but he, um, he, he and I trained at a place called Pure BJJ. And we would always talk wrestling. And, um, and one day I saw on, on like 
on Instagram, uh, he was a pro wrestler. I started asking him all these questions. I'm like, who, who do you train under? Where is this? How can I get here? <laughs> How can I, who can I contact? Um, and then another person, and that's what I'm saying, how, how, uh, the places that you're in there, there's so many, um, possible connections and, and, and outlets and ways to, to get to all different places. Because another guy I trained jujitsu with, uh, was Ricky Stardust and, um, and Stardust was the one who knew Rip because he, he had trained Rip back in the day. And so he he was the one who recommended me to HBW. And then I saw that uh, Ranch was training to be a wrestler at HBW. So it all kind of fell into place. I'm like, well, I have to go here. I have to, I have to, my, my first, it was a 15th birthday present is what it was to step in a ring. Right. I, I wanted that experience. I wanted to, because I've never been in a ring before then. And I, and I just wanted to feel it. I just wanted to feel the ropes. I wanted to, obviously take the bump. I want to feel the buckle. I wanted to get on the top rope. And I talked, I talked about it. So, so many times I'm like, Oh yeah, when I get there, I'm going to just go on the top rope and I'm just going to do a moonsault. Right. And then I actually go on the third rope and I'm like, this is way freaking higher than I thought. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, everything just kind of fell into place and they were, they were uh, pretty supportive, I would say. Absolutely. And great support systems are a lot. Um, just in terms of uh, even having somebody behind you always cheering for you, but also having somebody behind you to perk you up when things aren't working, when things aren't changing. I'm blessed enough to have a great support system. I've been dealing myself last couple of weeks, last couple of months uh, with some mental health issues. Anxiety is perked up, uh, a little bouts of depression. And uh, those are dark days. And um, if it wasn't for my wife and my girls, and even my dog, who her and I don't get along at all, but, you know, we try. We, we have our, you don't fuck with me, I don't fuck with you spaces. Um, but uh, she's got a Napoleon complex. She's like six pounds and thinks everybody, she can beat the shit out of everybody. Like she, she thinks that, I've seen her bark at a Rottweiler through glass. And then I take her outside wow. and she cowers like a, like a, like a child. Like the smaller uh, ones are always the most courageous. Oh, I know, I know, right? And I, I, I get small, it. I have a small one too. Yeah. I, I have a small one too, who I can I can relate to. Doesn't really want too much to do with me either, but I just pick them up. I'm like, well, huh, I'm bigger, right? So I can. yeah, I, I pick her up. I'll, <laughs> give her, I'll give her noogies. I start flicking her nose. Yeah. Like, I just bother. Yeah, I mean, that's what I do. I just, re just remind them who's who's the boss, right? That's right. That's right. right? Absolutely. Yeah. But you know, having those great support systems around, um, they make things easier. And uh, thankfully. Great support systems of my wife and my daughters uh, and, you know, a change in lifestyle, a change in the way I do things, change in the way I perceive things uh, has helped tremendously. And I still got a lot more work to do, but this is a great restarting because um, I went through some stuff and worked that out a few years ago and going through it now. And I'm, I'm OK to talk about it. I'm actually very excited to talk about it. So anybody out there is listening. Support system is key. If you're having those dark days, remember, dark days don't last and uh, things get better. So don't end up in the, don't give up in the words of Rihanna. Can't give up now. We almost there. We're going to run this town tonight. And if you don't know that song, Google it. Cause I'm not going to fucking explain Jay-Z to people. Okay. I'm not going to do it. If you don't know who Jay-Z <laughs> is, that's your fucking problem. But <clears throat> let's talk about, you mentioned being a fan since eight years old, eight years old. Okay. And there was a picture that circulated around social media a few weeks ago. One of those, how it started and how it's going. And it's, you know, the picture I'm talking about, it's you with one of the uh, most well-known referees in Canada and probably some parts of the U.S. 
Harry D. Everybody knows him. He's been on Impact. He's been all over the place. He's been roughing for like 25 years, I believe. 30 years, maybe. He's OG to like the nines. And I've had Harry mad at me twice when somebody was stupid enough to put the bell in front of me when I'm already nervous for commentating and they tell me, oh, you got to ring the bell. <laughs> and nobody told me how to ring the fucking bell. So Harry, I know you're going to be watching this. I'm actually going to use this clip in promotion. I'm sorry, Harry. I'm sorry. That's why I don't ring the bell anymore because it's too much fucking pressure when you have Harry D being like, Oh, is that is that is that when the the bell rang or the bell rang the the my music played? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got all kinds of fucking. I got all kinds of shit from like he grinded my gears for weeks, but it was all love. It was all love. He's just trying to make me better, and I understand that. But Absolutely. the picture I'm talking about is you in the ring with Harry D when you were like eight or nine years old, and then you in the ring with Harry D a couple months ago when he's raising your hand, uh, defending your television title. Mm-hmm. Moments like that are huge when you could say how it started and how it's going like that's a testament to you but to capture a moment like that when you're in the ring with harry as a fan and then you're in the ring with harry as a as a talent that you must have been taken aback a little bit emotions must have got the best of you when you saw that photo so talk to talk to talk to us talk to the straight talk faithful about that moment because that's a great moment well, I, and there's, there's seven years between those two photos and you think seven years, uh, I don't know how you perceive seven years. I, I don't, sometimes I, I don't. By my hairline, seven years ago, my hairline was about here. <laughs> that's what I perceived seven years ago. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good way. <laughs> but um but uh it's and by the way i i think your hairline's very 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 appropriate thank you this and this is why i have you on the show to, to keep there's that support system i talked about there's that support system. i love it i love it, I love it. um i think some sometimes i look back at seven years and and i just i i think oh it wasn't it wasn't that long ago because well seven years if you if you look back now that was like what 2014 2015 and i just, oh yeah, you know, I, I kind of related back to wrestling, what was going on in wrestling 2014, 2015. Um, but I, I, I tend to forget that like seven years is a huge chunk of my life, right? Um, so there's a lot, there's a, there's a tremendous amount of difference between um, the boys in those two photos. I think the guy um, who, who, the little fan who was, who lucky enough to take a picture with Harry D in the middle of the ring, um, was just a very impressionable kid who, um, wanted to see live wrestling. And, and, and again, like battle arts, I think it was the rising stars shows. Those were like the first shows that I've ever witnessed, like as a fan, like live, like indie wrestling. I didn't know it existed for the longest time. And I just, I I think back to myself, I'm like, if I only knew this existed a lot earlier, (laughs) you know what I mean? I I, I would have maybe gotten a better scope of, of the opportunities that, that are surrounding me, but yeah, that, and, um, and then I think I, I went to a couple Alpha One shows too. Um, obviously, you know, you know, back back when I was I was littler. But I think it's just a, it's crazy to think, but somehow I always knew I would end up there. 
kind of thing. I, I, I always knew. And, and, and whenever somebody would ask me as a kid, I, I remember it all the time. Like, what do you want to do with your life? I, I want to be a pro wrestler. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know uh, where I'm going to do it because I had no idea HPW existed. I knew battle arts existed, but um, I was obviously too young to train. And uh, I think, uh, and because I was doing jujitsu at the time, uh, I remember talking to Anthony um, and, and he told me, yeah, just keep, keep grinding in jujitsu. Um, and once you get your green belt, you know, then, then we'll talk. Right. Um, and those, those, obviously those words stuck with me because I was like, oh, wow, I, I have to keep, I have to keep, uh, working my hardest in, in order to get here. Uh, and then HPW opened up and I just thought, oh, well, that's so much closer to where I am, but to end up back at battle arts was incredible a really 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 cool uh thing and it and it's one of those full circle things that you just can't you can't write you can't you can't plan it's just one of those uh moments where you just find yourself thinking how the hell how did this happen it was really really special when i saw that picture i was <laughs> I, I i didn't know i didn't really know what to think but there's there's just there's, there's huge, obviously external differences between the two guys in that photo. Obviously I'm a, I'm a bit grown now, but, um, still the same, um, passion, still the same passion for wrestling. Absolutely. I mean, I felt the emotion for you in those photos. I was like, that's incredible. Like when you see stuff like that, that's incredible. And you talk about seven years. I mean, fuck straight talk wrestling is going on five, going on six years now. And, um, seven years ago, I was just a, a fan shooting the shit with my buddy being like fuck we bitch about this shit so many times we should just start a podcast and we fuck if you go through the early archives of straight talk wrestling i talk about this all the time the first couple episodes were raw and smackdown reviews like we were fucking horrible we didn't have a concept we didn't have an idea we were doing everything that everybody else that's how it starts right that's how it starts right and it starts with an idea yeah exactly it's gone from the idea to actually having concepts, to having actual formulated shows, to then branching off uh, away from one another. And I took the Straight Talk bandwagon and I ran with it. And um, we had our first interview, I want to say episode 50. And this, when this drops, this will be episode 228. So we're talking over 100 plus conversations, 100 plus stories being told. And now I can add Johnny DeLuca to the list. And I, I tell you right now, this won't be the last time. You are now officially a member of the Straight Talk family, my man. Okay, anytime you want to come back, uh, you just give me a holler because I never say no. I'll never be like, oh, no, no, I, I'm too busy for Johnny DeLuca. No, fuck that, man. You're <laughs> welcome back. I do have a couple more questions. I'm going to let you go enjoy the rest of your day because it's only 11.40 a.m. We still have so much <laughs> day left. Usually I'm doing these interviews at like 9, 10 p.m. And I'm like, I'm going to let you go enjoy your evening. <sighs> you by sure you're going to go bed myself. But um if you, you talk about full circle moments, you talk mm -hmm. about real moments, a real moment I want to touch on with you is mm -hmm. the first time your hand was raised for that television championship. When you capture gold at such a young age, do you find it hard to stay humble because you've reached say the proverbial mountaintop of that division at such a young age, is it hard not to have ego creep in? And I'm not trying to offend it. I'm not saying you have an ego. I'm saying, but is it hard to not 
allow ego to creep in a little bit. Like you capture that title at 18 years old, 18, you're already rocking gold. A television title in HWE is like the intercontinental championship in WWE. You are next. You are, they're basically saying this kid right here is the future of our promotion. Is it hard not to let pressure, let me rephrase, pressure and ego creep in? Well, the actual, okay, so let me tell you, the actual experience of winning the championship caught me off guard because I was not aware of the decision. Um, even even during the match, I had, uh, <laughs> and we, we joke about it now, but I had, I was under the impression that I was not, um, I was not leaving with the title. I was not leaving with the belt. And uh, the obviously the finish was hidden from me uh, in order to spark a genuine reaction. And uh, which was obviously, that's one of the coolest things about wrestling because no, nobody really knows that. Nobody really, um, it, uh, it's, it's, it's such an, it's an inside thing, but the crowd understands the emotion of it, but they don't know the working parts. Um, and and back to your back to your thing about about uh, if I let you know obviously ego and pressure uh, weigh me down I think and if you look at and if you look at who I've been in the ring with defending that championship against that's what keeps me humble because I'm in the ring with guys like Kobe Durst Holden Albright Von Vertigo and then I realize I don't know shit. <laughs> um i that's 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 what keeps me humble just wor- working with with guys who have so much more experience um and and are, are so uh, so much more uh well versed in into this world um i'm just trying to learn as much as i can and I, as for the pressure i sometimes i do i do feel the pressure but um i know that i'm in good hands when i'm working with with trustable guys like like those three guys um and 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 many many more um in in general just in general uh being a pro wrestler and and working with guys that are that are more experienced it it keeps me it definitely keeps me grounded i i definitely um know my place for sure and that's that's one of the things that helps me Absolutely. And I, I, I get to, like, I, like I said earlier in the episode, it's hard to imagine that I'm talking to a 19 year old because you are wise behind your years and you're very mature. And that's a sign of good parenting. So mama D, daddy D, kudos to you guys. Cause he's, he's a humble, genuine individual. And now I'm honored to call him a friend. So you actually segued again, like this is just clicking. It's clicking beautifully. You segued Absolutely. into Von Vertigo and we didn't touch on Von Vertigo. You look at a guy like Von Vertigo. Now I, I don't give a fuck what anybody says. I coined the nickname, the Tarantino of the Ontario Indies, because everything he's done with Backyard Pro is electric. I coined it. Nobody else could say I didn't. And if they do, if they say, oh, that wasn't you, I will. I, I don't fight in a ring, but I'll get in a fucking ring. I'll throw it out. I don't give a shit. That's my nickname for him, okay? I came up with that. But when you're in the ring with such a creative mind like Von Vertigo, and you talk about layers and matches, that last title defense I saw you have against him, there's so many layers to that story. And Von is a guy that can turn it on with no pressure. Vaughn is a guy that literally, he goes out there, he's very methodical in his thought process, and you can see the way he designs a match. So when you're designing a match with Vaughn Vertigo, is it hard not to step back and be like, fuck, man, 
like what he wants to do, how he wants to, to layer this story. I don't even know if I can do it. Like, is it, is it, does that, does thoughts like that ever creep into your head when you're in it, when, especially when you're with, with a creative mind that Von Vertigo has. And also he does have the second best head of hair in the Ontario Indies. And I say that because Mike Forte has the best head of hair in the Ontario Indies. And you knew I was going to go there. I always got to shout out Forte's head of hair. I always have to. I love Forte. Forte's amazing. But Von Vertigo, how do you not get sucked up in the creativeness that is Von Vertigo? So sometimes, you know, planning a match can be intimidating because when you're greener like me or newer like me um, and you just don't have that kind of experience you have to find new ways to to, um to layer your match and divide it into chunks so that you remember what you have to do and 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 when you have to do it right and and that's and and let me tell you like working with del bruno was another was another um very very uh cool experience as well because yes, they're, they're, and, and they're, they're alike in the sense of they're so creative in their thought process and, and everything has an end goal and you're always working towards something. Um, nothing in the match is meaningless or pointless. Everything kind of has a little bit of reasoning as to why it's happening. And I think when you understand that reasoning, when you understand, okay, why I need to do this and what I need to do, um, and that, and that's the thing when you're, when you're calling it out back, it can be intimidating, but when you're inside that ring, you just get it. Um, and that's how I felt with Vaughn. I, 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 he, <laughs> I knew, I felt completely 100% confident because he had me, he, he, I, he, he took care of me. He made sure that I knew what the next, what, what was coming next. He made sure that I, um, didn't lose track of, of whatever was, was going on kept, kept me grounded in the sense of that. And, and that's just in, in general too. Sometimes you, sometimes you just forget something, right. It, it always remember it takes, it takes two to tango. It's, it's, it's really, it's a team effort in in a sense kind of thing. So it, um, whereas my inexperience might, caused me to maybe not um, be as sharp in some areas. He helps me sharpen those areas while we're working together. Iron and that's also iron. Iron sharpens iron, 100%. And that's the beauty of it to me. And that is what, in my opinion, guys like me need more of. They need to work with guys like Vaughn, guys like Kobe, guys like Albright. They need these experiences, guys like Del Bruno, uh, guys like Antihero SOS, so many, so many great lessons and not even on the surface either. Just, just, just being in the ring with them and learning how they go through a match and just automatically adapting to it and taking that and go, oh, that's good. I'm going to do that the next match. I'm going to take that in. I'm going to, I'm going to add that to my arsenal or I'm going to. Uh, work a match like this from now on, or maybe I'm going to consider this. And I, I, you just, it's like being a sponge. You, ha- you have to kind of soak up every little detail, right? You might not get them all. And that's why you need to work. That's not, that's why you need to work with these guys. Um, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 times over. Um, 
and and that's that's what I want to do. I, I I'd love to go again with uh, all of those guys, and 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 I always learn something in a match, uh, regardless of of who's standing across the ring from me. Too, it it they can be guys like 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 veterans like like those, but it's also like um, even being in the ring with my peers, like um, guys that I trained with, it, and it's just. I take some, I try and take something with every single match guys. Like I've, I've been in the ring with guys I've been training with guys. I've, I don't really know who, like I, I've just met them. You know what I mean? Um, it, it's, it's, it's really cool to learn how different everybody works and how to adapt to it. And um, taking little bits and pieces from each to build my own way of working. I love that. I love that. I think that's a, a great way to uh, segue to the final question. And then I have a game I'd love to play with you quickly before Absolutely. we go. Um, so my final question is, I mean, you have such a high with all these great title defenses. And then uh, you get to debut at arguably the biggest promotion in Canada. I'll put my stamp on that now. HWE is great, is definitely up there. Top 510 in Ontario for sure. Uh, HPW, top 510 in Ontario, Alpha One. Uh, you got Greek Town, you got Barry Wrestling, you got Crossbody Pro Wrestling. You know, oh, many but, but there is, there is, in my opinion, the pinnacle, the mountaintop. And that is Destiny Wrestling because they bring in some of the top talent in the world. I mean, fuck, I got a piece of table right there from Josh Alexander versus PCO. Okay. Not. Absolutely crazy. Yeah, it's amazing. And, and that's that's now in my personal collection. I'm going to get buried with this fucking thing, okay? Um, <laughs> but when you get the call to come in and step in, because we have border issues with some of the talent coming across, Death Red Army, who always kill it. And I we will see Death Red Army versus Turnbuckle for sure, uh, Tabernacle for sure. We will see that. Death Red Army versus TDT will happen. But you get a call to tag with Evan Greenway against uh, TDT. And these guys hit hard, they hit fast, they hit strong. Uh, much like Albright, you feel it the next day, the next week, the next month even. You wake up and go, fuck, man, my shoulder's still killing me from when that guy fucking yeah. shot me. But when you get the call and you walk out to like the rowdiest crowd in Ontario wrestling, Destiny crowd is much like the ECW crowd. They love you, they hate you, they'll let you know within 30 seconds. You walked out, I, I was pumped to see. I'm like, that's that's amazing. What what in a moment for this kid and Evan as well. Evan is a great talent as well. Um, you walk out and you soak that. And we talked about soaking the environment in when you debut at Destiny Wrestling. What's that like? What's the emotion like that? I was I was experiencing emotions on the car ride there because I was I was going to go to Destiny anyway because they're like and like you said the, the card was stacked there were so many matches i want to see i want to see pco and and josh i wanted to see fuerza and reverso i wanted i i i needed to see uh saban and diener so I, I i was gonna i was gonna go there anyway um but then i got the call from evan who was who was already there and this is <laughs> let this be a lesson to everybody um always bring your gear um always no matter what even if you don't think there's a possibility always bring your gear you never know ever you never know um and so i get the call from evan and he says uh we're booked uh against tdt i go oh, okay great i hang up the phone i'm like i just get this immediately like immediate shot of adrenaline i just go oh holy shit okay all right <laughs> it's happening um 
And, uh, and so we get there and just, obviously I'm, I'm experiencing emotions just because, yeah, it, it is, like you said, one of the biggest shows in Canada. So um, I, I obviously uh, felt pressured, but it was also such a comfortable environment. Um, I've, I, I've shared the, the locker room with some of the guys on the roster, but meeting this plethora of new talent um next next level talent um was was a phenomenal experience to me and overall very very positive and um just feeling going out there and feeling the crowd and and because it is you're right it it is a different crowd it is a different environment um and and it was a very unique one to adapt to but it was also an easy one because they were so reaction heavy. They reacted to a lot. It was it was um, easy to get them to bite on to to to, uh, to things. So it, it was that that part was uh, went really well. And obviously, I'm I'm feeling nerves, but but good nerves. It's a good nervous. I I get nervous before every single match, no matter what it is. And, and it's not a nervous in the sense that, oh, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to mess everything up. I'm going to, I'm not confident in my my abilities. It's, it's, it's like this, it's like this more of this anxious kind of, oh, I just need to get out there. I need to get out there. I, I can't wait anymore. You know what I mean? But yeah, no, all in all great experience. You are right. They, <laughs> those guys hit hard. Um, they're, total pros as you would imagine um and whenever you get the opportunity to work with guys like that it's always always a beneficial experience and i walked away from that match yes feeling proud of what i've done but also i you know a bunch of things i have to improve on again because nobody's perfect and it i know i've been in this I've been wrestling for three or four years. That's nothing compared to 10, 15, 20, 25. And this shit takes time to really understand. And I get that. And I'm in that for the long haul. And that's why every piece of advice that I receive, I am very thankful for it because it's an integral part to um, contributing to my later success. I love that. I think that's a great segue uh, to get into our game. And before I get into our game, we're going to shout out your socials real quick. But I also want to tell you that I always do something special every year. I pick a, a spotlight, a young indie talent, an up-and-coming young indie talent. Uh, the first inaugural one that I chose was Scarlett Delgado a couple years ago. And then there was last year who I can't remember. It's slipping my name. And I know, oh, my God, he can't remember. Relax. I'm getting older. And it's also 11 a.m. And I'm on fucking vacation. <laughs> so I'm tired. I don't give a shit what anybody says, okay? Um, but I always hey, pick I a one to Oh, 11 a.m. But it, it forced me to get up because <laughs> without that, I would have been sleeping till 2 p.m., my brother. So. There we go. There we go. Yeah. Um, I, on the other hand, do not have that option. 7 a.m. or not, my five-year-old's up. Daddy, I want breakfast. Daddy, I want to watch Ruby and Max. Daddy, I want to do this. Daddy, I want to do that. Okay. All right. All right. All right. All right. So I always call it the one to watch. And I want to proudly announce to you that you are my 2022 one to watch. So everyone keep their eyes on Johnny DeLuca. Sky's the limit. But Johnny, I got to say one thing, man. You got to get a little bit more interactive on Instagram, okay? You got no fucking point. Yeah. You got to change that yeah. shit. You got to change that. And that. I expect when this episode drops that you fucking share this thing, okay? Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the things that, again, 
I, I, I am looking to improve on social media. And, and I feel like uh, I'm probably the best with Facebook, but, um, and, and that's the thing too, um, with Instagram, I, I, things are moving slowly, but I, I have to stay on top of it. I have to get better. But the importance of social media is absolutely huge because without it, people are unable to see your progress and people are not um, easily uh, able to access what you've done. And, and, that, and that's a big problem if it's not on display. So thank you for that. And um, I, I 100%, 100% will uh, improve my social media on, on Instagram. But uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's uh, very, very important. I'm taking a few steps at a time. I, I just recently made my account uh, public. And so now I, it's, 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 it's one of those things where it's like I, I procrastinate. You know what I mean? It's like I'm procrastinating posting stuff because I don't know what I'm going to say. Did too. I did too. And I was totally against – I'm not a big social media person. It took like six years to get me on Facebook after Facebook had peaked. It took me six 100, 100%. And it's, and it's uh, part of the struggle was, you know, obviously when it was happening, it was during school. So I was very uh, busy with studying and, and – doing homework and, and things like that i i and but you're right it, it's it's a crucial aspect and i shouldn't procrastinate that um any longer any longer now that school's done i have a perfect opportunity that's right and this will be one of your first posts so i'm i'm honored to be part of that for sure now before we get into the game shout out your socials for the world so when you finally do get off the, off your patootie and stop procrastinating people can know where to find you go ahead and let the world know where they can follow the journey that is Johnny DeLuca. So on Instagram, uh, Johnny DeLuca underscore. Uh, Facebook, I think it's just Johnny DeLuca. And then Twitter, I think it's Johnny underscore DeLuca. I like those underscores. <laughs> we already follow each other on all of those. And if you guys want to check my socials, I'll be shut them out. But just check the link below in either any of the uh, podcast posts or the YouTube post. The link tree is right there. Subscribe to everything, you know, help us grow, help us evolve because Johnny DeLuca is the one to watch and Straight Talk is honored to share that. Now, Johnny, the game that we're going to play is very simple. It's a yes or no game. I'm going to ask you a question and you just give me a yes or no answer. No explanation needed, just yes or no. So here's an example. Is Coke better than Pepsi? No. Okay. So there you go. That's how the game's going to work. I'm going to give five questions mm -hmm. and you're just going to give me their answers. Okay, here we go. Um, is Rip Impact better than Tyler Turva? <laughs> that's what we do baby i always put the hard questions in i can't say yes or no okay fine i'll give you one veto i'll give you one veto per but if you use the veto now for every other question you have to give an answer i i want to specify like like uh -huh. Better right now or better or just better overall? Okay. Is Tyler Turva better than Rip Impact right now? Yes. He's okay. the champion. Okay. There we go. Done. There you go. No explanation needed. <laughs> is, is Xbox better than PlayStation? No. I don't like you. I don't like you at all right now. <laughs> I'll stand behind that one. All right. Fine. Two of my all-time favorites are behind me on the wall. Is Bret Hart better than Owen Hart? Um, no, they're, I can't, I, can I follow up with no words? No, no. It's just a no. yes or no answer. Okay. All no. right. Fair enough. No. Question number four. Question number four. Here we go. This is a big one. This is a huge one. 
Is Apple better than Android? Yes. Okay. Now, now we're on the same wave. I, I do enjoy you again. I do enjoy you. <laughs> and finally, finally, the fifth question. I know it's past Christmas, but I have to ask mm-hmm. this because this is a debate that has gone on for years. Is mm-hmm. Die Hard a Christmas movie? Yes. Oh, thank God. Somebody sees it the way I do. <laughs> thank God. Ladies and gentlemen, this has been my conversation with Johnny DeLuca. It has been an honor and a privilege to share your story, and it's not going to stop. We're going to check in with you down the line for sure, and I can't wait to call more Johnny DeLuca matches. I can't wait to get some vitamin D. Now, the only thing I ask is the next time we see each other, I've got a couple empty spaces in the wall around here you can clearly see. So. Yes. Maybe uh, a Johnny DeLuca autograph is in the future. No pressure. Oh, but I'm just one hundred percent. One hundred percent. Perfect. You remind me. You let me know. Absolutely. Wonderful. Love to be on. Wonderful. All right. Thank you so much for joining me today, brother. Stay safe, guys. That's it for this one. Peace, love, and wrestling. We'll see you next time. Peace. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to tune in next week for another great episode on all available podcast platforms and hosted on Podbean. Also, check us out on YouTube at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Instagram at Straight Talk Wrestling, on Facebook at Straight Talk Wrestling, and on Twitter at underscore Straight Talk. And if you feel the need to buy some sweet merch, check us out on ProWrestlingTees.com. Leaving the scene with no trace, not in my lead, you out of place. I'm not at the top, I'm outer space. Any with us, we're out of place. I'm doing fine, I'm feeling great. You're not my fan, you can't relate. Straight talk going state to state